If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Dayton Stoner was so looking forward to his summer road trip. It was a beautiful day in June 1924. Stoner was a biologist, a bug and bird guy, and he was traveling from central Iowa to Lake Okoboji near the Minnesota border. He planned to spend a month there at a research station. His wife Lillian, who doubled as his assistant, was nestled into the front seat next to him. They no doubt had a scrumptious picnic packed for lunch. There were no car radios back then, so all they could do was enjoy the scenery on the open road ahead of them. Unfortunately, a jarring note soon sounded. Within a minute of them leaving town, they spotted a dead animal beside the road. Stoner never recorded what it was, but possibly a red-headed woodpecker, a spunky black and white bird with a startling scarlet hood. As a biologist, seeing any dead animal saddened Stoner. Still, this was supposed to be a vacation, so he didn't let it drag him down. Except, then it happened again. This time it was maybe a squirrel or a rabbit. It had a tire mark on it, squashed by the side of the road. Upon seeing it, Stoner no doubt backed off the gas pedal himself, then patted Lillian's hand. The sight was sad, but what could you do? Except then it happened again, and again and again. Every mile, it seemed, he spotted a new dead animal on the road, all of them flattened by automobiles. Which was awkward given that Stoner was himself driving a car. And at some point, he could no longer bury his discomfort. How many animals killed by cars was he going to see? And keep in mind, this was just one back road in Iowa. Stoner started running a few numbers through his head, thinking about the vast United States with millions of miles of roads. When he started extrapolating, the numbers got pretty ugly pretty quickly. Still, Stoner was a scientist. He didn't want guesses and extrapolation. He wanted data. So he enlisted Lillian's help. He asked her to start tracking both the number of dead animals they saw and the species. And just like that, 
their summer road trip turned into a scientific venture. The question was this. What exactly were the consequences of the automobile on wildlife? And the answer, not just for Iowa, but for the world, would prove to be every bit as staggering as Dayton Stoner feared. From the Science History Institute, this is Sam Keen and the Disappearing Spoon, a topsy-turvy, sciency history podcast, where footnotes become the real story. Dayton Stoner had a jolly, jowly face with a black mustache and a receding hairline. He was born in Iowa City in 1883. He attended the University of Iowa there for both undergrad and graduate school. Then he started working in a museum there. He married Lillian, a fellow biologist, in 1912. Stoner and Lillian's first big research trip in 1918 took them to Barbados and Antigua in the Caribbean. Collecting trips like this were a rite of passage for biologists then, their own version of Charles Darwin's voyage on the Beagle. Between jaunts to different islands, Stoner played the mandolin for the crew, an instrument he had somehow learned to play in Iowa. On this trip, Stoner mostly studied stink bugs. He and Lillian spent their days tromping through the woods and drenching wet, either from being rained on during sudden storms or dripping with sweat in the relentless humidity, often both. They nevertheless loved the trip although Stoner did run into some trouble one day. It's not clear why, but locals suddenly decided that the white man poking around in the bush was a German spy. This was not a light accusation in a British colony during World War I. Local children started following him around and pelting him with stones. Later, a mob of angry adults showed up with rope to tie him up and interrogate him. He managed to talk them down barely, and convinced them that he was just a harmless biologist. After that, though, he kept his head on a swivel. Despite this close shave, Stoner took a trip to Fiji and New Zealand in 1922, and all in all, he got several worthwhile papers out of his junkets. But despite all the exotic places he traveled to, the most lasting research he ever did started a few miles outside of Iowa City on that road trip to the lake in 1924. Given their trained eyes, Stoner and Lillian could recognize what species most of the roadkill was without slowing down. There were snakes, skunks, cuckoos, robins, weasels, meadowlarks, cats. But every so often, some animal was so squashed that they had to get out and inspect it, just to tell what this smear of guts was. Overall, the 316-mile trip to the lake took two days. And the stoners retraced the same basic course back in July, with Lillian tallying the whole time. The final body count floored Stoner. Over roughly 600 miles, they spotted 225 dead animals from 29 different species. 53 were gorgeous red-headed woodpeckers who fed on insects on the roadside and were often sluggish to take flight. And again, this was just one road in Iowa. What about elsewhere in the country? 
Well, Stoner later took more road trips to Florida and New York and gathered more data. And it soon became clear that Iowa was not unusual. There were dead mammals, birds, reptiles, and amphibians everywhere. American roads were total carnage. Now, roadkill itself was not a new phenomenon then. Even back in the days of horses and buggies, animals like turtles would sometimes get flattened. But Stoner realized that cars were a whole new order of menace. Carriages could run down slow, sluggish turtles, sure. But cars were nailing birds and bats, foxes and rabbits, toads and turkeys, much quicker animals. Other biologists quickly confirmed Stoner's results on trips of their own. They noticed that cars seemed especially destructive near marshes and wetlands. One survey near a river in 1934 found 18 dead turtles in just 60 feet of road. Things got even worse when the United States made a concerted effort to improve its roads in the 1930s. Before this, the U.S. had mostly dirt byways. But federal and state agencies began turning dirt roads into gravel ones and paving gravel ones with smooth blacktop. The goal of this work was noble, to connect rural America and to help farmers get produce to market. Honestly, too, the country was becoming increasingly urbanized. So a lot like today, back roads were one of the few places where city folk could still encounter wild animals. But better roads also created an awful feedback loop. On Stoner's road trip through Iowa, he never drove more than 25 miles per hour. And unless you didn't value your Model T, or your back, most people then never topped 40 miles per hour. But better roads meant faster speed limits. 40 miles an hour crept up to 50, and then 60, and then higher. And animals that might have escaped collisions before now got clobbered. Plus, when animals got hit, scavengers came by to feast on the easy pickings. In some ways, this is a bonanza for scavengers. During my research, I came across an editorial cartoon of two vultures praying over a meal. They gave their thanks for their bounty to Henry Ford. Har har. But whenever a scavenger picked at a roadside carcass, the scavenger itself would often get hit which only attracted more scavengers, who themselves got hit, and so on. It was a terrible feedback loop. And with the expansion of the interstate highway system in the 1960s, cars soon overtook hunting as the biggest human killers of wildlife in the country. Things really got out of hand when people started hitting deer. Now, don't get me wrong. It's sad to strike a skunk or a woodpecker or whatever and you might need to replace your windshield or grill afterward. But you're probably walking away from that collision. With deer, it's a different story. As late as 1939, motorists across the United States killed just a few deer per day on average. But as rural roads improved and cars got explosively faster, deer could no longer dodge them. Deer car collisions got far more deadly. Deer were attracted to highways for one big reason. For safety's sake, highway engineers started adding so-called verges to highways, strips of open grass off to the side. And that soft, tender grass was ambrosia for deer. Deer started actively seeking out roadways to feast on it. 
This put the deer in grave danger of being hit. Engineers tried to fix the problem. They started planting grasses near highways that the deers did not find as tasty. And they planted grass that deer did find tasty far away from the highways to keep the animals away. Engineers also stopped salting roads during the winter, since the deer sometimes came to lick the salt for nutrients. Some desperate engineers even fenced the highways off for miles to block the deer physically. None of it worked. The original tasty grasses were tenacious and kept growing by the highways. The deer also walked around the fences or squeezed through the gaps. Some deer even learned to limbo under sections of the fence. As a result, the casualties just kept climbing. As bad as things are for deer, other animals have it worse. Some get pushed to the brink of extinction. Have you ever wanted to appreciate books or movies or music from another culture? Do you have a big trip coming up and want to get beyond the tourist spots and immerse yourself in local culture? No matter what the reason, Rosetta Stone is the language program for you. Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Millions have used it. Rosetta Stone knows what works for getting started, remembering what you've learned, and motivating you to stay on track. Plus, the built-in true accent feature gives you live feedback to improve your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. So don't put off learning that language. Start today. For a limited time, Disappearing Spoon listeners get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Consider the Florida panther, a tawny, majestic beast. In the mid-1900s, overhunting and rapacious development in Florida whittled the panther's population down to about 60 in the wild. The population has since climbed a bit to maybe 200. 
but cars now seemed poised to kill the Panthers off. In 2021 alone, motorists killed 21 Panthers, 10 to 15% of their population, in one year. One thing that makes Florida Panthers vulnerable is their reproductive style. There's a law in biology called R versus K. Our species are creatures like rodents or frogs. Our species start having children young, and they have lots and lots of children. And they mostly let those children fend for themselves. Most of those children end up dying. But by having so many children, the odds are good that at least some will survive to adulthood. It's quantity over quality. Meanwhile, K species prefer quality over quantity. K species include whales, elephants, and us human beings. We have fewer children overall, but we care a lot for those we do have and most make it to adulthood. Panthers are a K species, and K species generally suffer worse from roadkill because they don't pump out as many children. As a result, every death is proportionately worse. Cars have upset the million-year-old balance of life and death for panthers and they simply cannot reproduce fast enough to keep up. Still, even if K species suffer more proportionately, R species suffer the most deaths overall. In fact, go ahead and guess how many vertebrates die every day from cars in the United States. A thousand? Fifty thousand? A hundred thousand? You're still an order of magnitude short. An estimated 1 million vertebrates end up as roadkill every single day here. That's one every 12 seconds. And sadly, not all of these are accidents. In a scientific study from a few years ago, scientists put down highly realistic plastic snakes and frogs on highways to see how often people hit them. They also put down fast food cups as a control and comparison. Now, I have to admit, when I'm driving and I see a fast food cup, I swerve every time. It makes such a satisfying crunch under the wheel. But I would never go after animals. Alas, some people do. The drivers in the study had no reason to think the snakes or frogs were fake. And they didn't know they were being observed. But they went after the frogs and snakes far more often than chance would suggest. This implies that at least some of the million animals that die every day on the roads here are deliberate faunicides. North America is not unique either. Wherever there are roads, there are animal deaths. And much like the Florida panther, roads threaten dozens of species across the globe. Even huge, seemingly immovable beasts get struck down, like yaks and tigers and elephants. And this carnage does not even include insects. For insects, a few hundred trillion of them, trillion with a T, get splattered onto grills and windshields every single year. Probably the most dangerous country for roadkill is Brazil. Both the government and powerful business interests there have been rapidly building new roads in the Amazon and paving existing ones. The worst-hit animal in Brazil has been the goofily chimeric giant anteater. It's just such an odd beast. It has a shaggy, snuffleupagus snout and a push-broom tail. It also has razor-sharp claws and a serpentine tongue. Anteaters are adventurous enough to blunder onto roads, but not agile enough to dodge cars. 
It's a deadly combination. Their population has been estimated at 5,000. But with new road incursions, roughly 300 are killed every year. That's not favorable math. I fear that in a few decades, we'll be talking about anteaters in the past tense. Anteaters are hardly alone, though. Other species that get clobbered in Brazil include raccoons, caimans, foxes, and raptors. In fact, if you were horrified by the U.S. figure of 1 million dead animals per day, roadkill in Brazil is 10% worse. 1.1 million per day, or 400 million dead animals every year. So is there anything we can do about the carnage of roadkill? Yes. There's the obvious solution of not building more roads, especially not in crucial habitats. But it's quite unlikely that we'll just stop building roads, especially in the developing world, where roads often mean jobs in logging and mining for people with few other prospects. Crazily, some animals have actually evolved to suffer fewer traffic accidents. One 30-year study in Nebraska found that cliff swallows there have developed wings that are 4% shorter. This helps the swallows take off from the ground faster and change directions mid-air. All the better to avoid rushing 18-wheelers. But waiting for animals to evolve is not the best solution. Roads can and should get less deadly. The most effective fix involves underpasses and overpasses. These are tunnels beneath highways or grassy bridges over highways. They allow deer and skunks and anteaters to cross without harm. It's so easy. Sadly, though, penny-pinching government agencies often eliminate under- and overpasses from their plans, even though they've been wildly successful when used. In Banff National Park in Canada, these passes have eliminated 80% of the roadkill. That's 80% fewer animals dying. And don't forget that it saves plenty of human lives as well. It's been roughly a century since Dayton Stoner's now famous roadkill road trip. Stoner died of lung cancer in 1944, but he could not have foreseen just how big a problem roadkill would become, the sheer scale of death today. But we know how to make things better. We can build underpasses and overpasses, or build roads that avoid migratory areas and vital habitats. We can also think twice about building new roads, period. As mentioned above, in our increasingly urbanized world, rural roads are one of the few places where people regularly see wild animals. It sure would be wonderful, though, if those wild animals were still alive. This is the Disappearing Spoon podcast, brought to you by the Science History Institute. Find out more about their library, museum, and multimedia magazine at sciencehistory.org. Make sure you check out the Science History Institute's other awesome podcast, Distillations. You can find their in-depth narrative stories and interviews about everything from space junk to sex, drugs, and migraines anywhere you get your podcast and on their website distillations.org You can find more incredible stories from my books at samkeen.com You can also book me as a speaker at your school or event. If you like this podcast, please support it at patreon.com slash disappearing spoon. It costs as little as seven cents per day. 
You can also get bonus episodes and signed books. Please spread the word to others as well, and subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or other places. This episode was written by me, Sam Keen. It was mixed by Jonathan Pfeffer and produced by Mariel Carr, Rigoberto Hernandez, and Padmini Raghunath. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.